You are listening to the Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guests and hear their story. Dave, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It is so good to have you on the show today. It's great to be here and really excited about the opportunity to share my story. I'm going to read something that you shared with me prior to the start of this conversation, which I thought was incredible. And you said, I prayed what I used to call a dangerous prayer at the beginning of this journey. God, remove any resistance in me so that when you speak to me, I respond. And then you said, this began a 10-year journey of what felt like emotional waterboarding. Whoa, we're against all odds. You survived. Wow. So I'm looking forward to digging into that, Dave, but please share a bit about yourself so people kind of have a sense of who is Dave Dalton. My parents were originally from Tennessee, but my dad was in the Navy. So I was born in California in 1958, and at six and a half years old, my parents uh, moved me and my brother back to Tennessee. So I lived out all my life in Tennessee up until I was 21. At the age of 20, Brian, I was born again, and my life got turned right side up. And when I was born again, I was at the University of Tennessee at that time. I was a sophomore. The first thing the Lord spoke to me, the where I felt I heard his voice, was he told me to break up with my girlfriend, of all things. She was a Muslim, but we'd been going together for a year and a half, and it was her birthday party, actually, that day, the day I was born again. So I went to her party and said, her name was Mara. And I said, Mara, Jesus uh, just wants me to be your friend. So I'm not going to be your boyfriend anymore. She was in shock. And she says, you'll be back in two weeks. And what was interesting was two weeks later, I was preaching on the corner at the University of Tennessee. I had about 100 students that were standing there listening to me. And her first cousin was there. And she just had this look on her face like, I, I, who is this? I mean, you're not even who I know. That was the beginning of my journey following the Lord. And then about a year later, the Lord began to put it on my heart to go into full-time ministry. So I began ministry at the University of Tennessee as a campus ministry with a parachurch organization. Then I ended up going to Arizona State University as a campus minister. Then I ended up going to the University of Florida in Gainesville. So I had some ministerial background, and then the Lord led myself and another gentleman to, we had a presentation on the uh, history of rock and roll music. It was a multimedia presentation, and I ended up giving it all over the United States, all over Canada. It was translated into 30 languages mm. and it had a, a global effect. And I did that full time for 10 years. And then a friend of mine called me and he said, there's an oppor a business opportunity for you. I just ignored him. I didn't even respond. Mm -hmm. And two weeks later, he called me back and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, says, said to check this out. So of all places, Brian, it was in Oklahoma City. Really? So, yes. And so I went to Oklahoma City and felt like the Lord spoke to me to start working with this company. So I started working with them and God's supernatural favor was on me. 
And within two years, I was doing about $80,000 a month after tax. That was my commission. That was your commission? Commission was 80000 Do you mind sharing the name of the company? Sure. It was called Lifeline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember Lifeline. Okay. Yeah. So there was about 3,500 salespeople, and I was the number one salesperson they had. And I made close to that amount for almost 10 years. But after three years, pretty much all my work with them was done. And I felt the Lord spoke to me to go into the world of trading. So you, a lot of people have heard of day traders. So I kind of took it to another level. I hired an analyst and I basically became kind of a professional at the Russell 2000 futures. Mm -hmm. So I traded those and did very well at it. And and then from there, I had someone contact me. Uh, this is after a, about 10 years of working for this company. Just to summarize thus far, you worked for this campus ministry for 10 yes. years. Basically, your rock and roll discussion went worldwide. Then yes. a friend contacts you and asks you to work for, for Lifeline, which you did for 10 years. And then you moved into this Russell 2000 trading approach during that time. Now, I'm curious, during the Lifeline experience, what was the Lord whispering to you during that season? What were the things that he was growing you in? What I was learning was a total dependency upon the Lord. When I went to work for Lifeline, they had about 500 pages of marketing material, and they handed it to me. And as soon as they handed it to me, I felt the Holy Spirit says, I have another plan. Now, I didn't say that, but I felt the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to show you what to do, and I'm going to put together your own marketing material. So I condensed it down into about five pages, Uh and it progressively led people through the sale process. And then it just took off uh, like a rocket, and the company ended up incorporating what I put together. That became their sales product. I love it. I mean, you're a top performer. It just makes sense to look at what you're doing and duplicate it. Yes. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit gave it to you, which I love. Yes, the Holy Spirit did give it to me. And I remember when I got all the material they gave me, it was so overwhelming. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study it. And I didn't even get to the first page. And, and I felt like God spoke to me to listen and to write down what he told me. So again, I, I say the word I felt. I mean, I didn't know it was God, but I felt it was God. So what am I supposed to do? Sure. Before I finish my five-page reduction sauce, I'll call it, before I finished that, I had a real test in that there was this one company I called on and they ended up signing on with our company but they didn't give me credit for it. You didn't get credit for that sale? Correct. So you literally, you made nothing. They made it a house account, it sounds like. Yes. I remember I fasted and prayed for a day, and I still remember I, I felt the Holy Spirit says, keep walking around your house. So I went outside, <laughs> and I just kept walking around the house just praying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to let this go. And, and, and my favor is going to be on you. And later, the president of the company told me, this was years later, he said, when that situation happened, I was put in a very awkward position because that company called me, even though I knew everything you had done is what had brought it about. 
And, and he said, and that was poor judgment on my part. And I asked for your forgiveness, but you know, look what God did after that. And he said, and it was a testimony to me that you didn't take offense, but I will tell you, I had to pray through it. I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to press in and I'm going to give you favor. So I did. And then after I got past that situation, everything just started exploding for me personally. I just started signing on the largest accounts in the company, even though a lot of companies had tried to sign them on. So this was like CBN, TBN, Focus on the Family, Jay Seculo, uh, Concerned Women for America. I feel like that was a critical time in my life to not take offense, because I think when you get in the marketplace, you're going to experience rejection, you're going to experience unfair things that are unfair. And uh, that's that that goes with the territory. And sometimes the Lord says, turn the cheek. And other times the Lord says, bring out the sword and fight it. And you have to know the difference. That brings up a question, Dave. How in your life have you discerned the difference between pulling the sword out versus just accepting what God's doing and letting it go? Okay, that's a great question. I think the only way you can hear God's voice in that respect is you have to forgive. That's like the baseline, because you I don't think you can hear God's voice until you've forgiven it. So you begin with forgiveness. And again, that's a choice of the will. It may You may not emotionally feel it, but it's a choice. Mm-hmm. And so you forgive, and then you say, okay, Lord, I've forgiven them now. What do you want me to do? Yeah. And because this can be a very important decision, I had someone share with me, it was so profound about 30 years ago. He says, I call it the resurrection factor. I said, okay. He says, you need to wait three hours, three days, three weeks, three months. You need to put three to it, which Sounded a little superstitious to me, <laughs> right? But I started practicing it, and and I realized that most of the time you're better off not responding instantaneously. So true. Just to clarify, Dave. So you take three hours, and then if you're like, ah, oh, that's not, I don't feel peace yet. Take three days. That kind of a progression, right? Yes, and I just had a situation we'll talk about a little later where with our current company, uh, with the company called eBars, we have a major sports figure that contacted us about working with them. And this is an international well-known sports figure. And they contacted us and wanted us to make a product for them. There's traveling all over the world. And I hadn't heard from them about, it's been about a month, which is a long time actually. And I felt the Holy Spirit says, do not contact them until I tell you. That's so good. And I just said, okay, Lord. And I had people in the company that would say, what's going on with this? Or if you called them and I said, it's not the right time yet. I don't always disclose everything. And then the day before yesterday, I, I woke up in the morning. It just dropped in my spirit. Holy Spirit says, now. Mm-hmm. And I felt a total peace. There was no anxiety or stress. And I sent them a message. And turned out they were over in Europe and they responded back to me immediately. And then they sent me a bunch of photos and stuff. It was very engaging. And so the point is, if you're going to trust anything, trust the the peace of God. I've walked through this as well, Dave, and it so resonates with me, particularly being in sales my entire career. There's moments where you feel like I've got to reach out and I have to get an answer. 
But then you have to pause and say, okay, is that me? Is that just me wanting to close a deal because I'm stressed over it? Or is that you, God? And invariably, the Spirit of God will speak something that's peaceful, and that peace is related to pausing and waiting. That's been my experience oftentimes. Yes. I wish you, I could say you learned this overnight, but you don't. You, you learn it through experience. But God will fast track you. And uh, you alluded to the dangerous prayer that I prayed. Yes. And there's a quote that has been an axiom for me, and it goes like this. Most of us have two lives, the life that we're living and the unlived life within us. And between the two stands resistance. The War of Art, Stephen Presley. What an incredible book, Dave. Oh, In fact, I was going to tell you, I ended up striking up a relationship with Stephen Pressfield. And so he, I've sent him our product. He loves it. <laughs> he and I correspond back and forth. But that book, if, if your listeners have not gotten that book, I have passed out so many copies of that book to people. Uh, I can say literally with no fear of contradiction that I have read that book hundreds of times. Yeah, it's incredible. And you can navigate by resistance. He talks in the book about how that it, it can... It points you north. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, what you feel resistance to is what you're supposed to do. And I'm not talking about temptation. It's resistance. It's like you're faced with a choice, something that you may need to do to move the ball forward. And by that, by moving the ball forward, that could be sitting still and doing nothing. That could move the ball forward. But what I have found is that resistance oftentimes is the indicator of what I need to do. So powerful. And so I prayed, God, get me to a place where there's no resistance. And so I've noticed things in my life that I used to feel a lot of resistance to. I, I don't feel any resistance at all. And then and I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me and says, you've just passed level one. And so now let's move on to level two. So as you went through this level one, Dave, please share what was one of your biggest takeaways as you started to see resistance move away? What were your prayers during that time? Do you recall? What were you experiencing? Probably the what's most uh, vivid in my mind is um, the current company, which I skipped the other company that I had, which was purchased by Comcast Cable. It was a golf company called mm -hmm. golfnow.com. And if anybody out there golfs, they probably know who we are. We're like Expedia, Orbitz, mm -hmm. Kayak, and myself and some other guys started that company. But I remember one of the times I felt enormous resistance. And I remember I was putting in close to 80 hours a week. And Brian, after one year, 80 hours a week on average, I had grossed $250. What? After a full year. Yeah, I know that's not very exciting, but you know what? One day I was at a golf course in Tennessee and the owner of the golf course, he liked me and he put his arm around my shoulder. He says, I like you, David. I like you a lot. I think you're a great guy, but I think you need to cash in and or whatever you need to do and you need to move on. And I felt this rush of enormous sense of failure. Someone says, what was the biggest resistance? It was passivity. We were trying to get golfers to switch from calling into the golf course 
to going on to an online kind of a smorgasbord or a banquet table of golf courses and choose what they want. Just to clarify, that's obviously passivity of the potential customers who are so used to just calling the golf course. Passive to our marketing, just like no response, Mm -hmm. like none. And I just could not figure it out. And so I was, I had a long drive home and it started raining so hard that you couldn't see. And I had to pull my car under an underpass, which was, so there was some other cars pulled under. And while I was sitting there, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, the most solid thing you will ever stand on is my word. And so what was my word to you? And I said, Lord, you told me to start this. He says, then that's the word. And two weeks later, we had a huge breakthrough and, and the company just took off. And then we ended, and then I ended up selling it to Comcast along with my friends. And that's what enabled me to start eBars. What was the breakthrough, Dave? The breakthrough was I walked into this golf course and the manager at the golf course was sitting across a desk. And he he says, I'm nervous to do this, but I'm going to give this. Here's a disc. And he said, on this disc is 1600 names of golfers that golf with us. And I want to see what you can do with them. At that point, I was doing radio ads and all this stuff, and I Mm -hmm. wasn't seeing hardly any response. And so I took those 1600 names and I put them into a file and I sent them all an email and he allowed me to integrate with his course. And by the way, I should mention that there was an integration that cost um, a lot of time and a lot of money to set up. And I had chosen to go down that road and I got an enormous amount of resistance from the president of the company of which I was one of the owners. He didn't want me to do the integration I was going to do. Well, anyway, that integration ended up saving the company. It was the top financial model for the company called Golf Now. And again, anyone who plays golf will know who we are. Back to your point about resistance. And that's interesting is you had your associates, the president himself, as part of your team saying no, but you felt a mandate to do this. Yeah. And he even told me, he says, I can't stop you because you have the authority to do this. But but he was visibly angry at me, but I felt I was supposed to do it. And, and they later disclosed to me that they thought I was going to fail. Then what was interesting was the company started in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, I ended up going back there about three years later after I'd done this. I didn't meet with the president, but I met with another person. And they were just all excited about this model that they had started using that turned the company around. And the guy had no knowledge that it came from me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me to keep my mouth shut and not say anything. And I did. It says in the scripture, to let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Sometimes the Lord wants you to be secure in him and not be secure in yourself or in what you've accomplished, no matter how great it is. And sometimes the Lord will have you speak up, but I've found that more often than not, I wait for them to ask me and I try not to say very much. It's humility. I want to be like the guy who, as Jesus said, walks into the banquet and sets in the back. 
and then he's asked to come forward. I want to be that man. Because when you're asked to come forward by God, let me tell you, he's bringing you to the stage. He's bringing you to a place of influence. Right. And everybody watches it and they don't know how it happened. That's a great word, Dave. Let's look now at where you are with the current company, eBars. Explain, if you would, how that got started and when. Okay. For me, actually, the journey started in 1984 with respect to food. I ended up getting kidney stone, didn't know it was a kidney stone. And when I when it was diagnosed, the doctor said to me, he says, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is we know what causes kidney stone. The bad news is it's coming from red meat, the acid from red meat. And that was like totally foreign to me. And he said, do you drink tea or coffee? So I didn't drink coffee, but I drank tea once in a while. So I cut out the red meat and magically all the kidney stones disappeared. And so this doctor mentioned this to me was also in the organic world. So I started eating organically in the 80s. And I want you to know something in the 80s, eating organically was very strange. And uh, there wasn't very many people eating organic in the 80s. I mean, I was eating blue chips, drinking soy milk. I mean, it was very radical back at that time. You were almost hippie. Yeah. No, I was the only one that didn't look like a In fact, everyone looked like a hippie but me. <laughs> I was the only, I remember, I've got photographs of me in that era. And I'm wearing a blazer, khaki pants, and a button-down shirt. And everybody else looks like they're leftovers from the 60s. But anyway, that was the beginning of my food, the kind of the food journey. And so what happened was as the decades began to pass, I began to see that I was experiencing extraordinary health that a lot of my friends and people I knew weren't experiencing. And I just made me feel sad because I knew it was my diet, but I didn't know what I could do about it. I was just one person. And I just kind of carried around this weight of almost hopelessness for other, for being able to make any kind of difference. And so one day I was in a store that was similar to Whole Foods, but not Whole Foods here in Nashville. And I went in there to purchase a bar, the only bar that I could actually tolerate. And so I go in there to purchase the bar and I'm looking at the bar and the bar when I looked at it, I had a wave of nausea that went from my head to my feet while I'm staring at the bar. And I literally thought I was going to barf. And I've never had that experience before or after. And I remember I had sort of a little funeral there and staring at the bar section <laughs> thinking, well, goodbye, that's bar. The last, yeah, it's the last time I'll eat a bar. And so I walked out of the door. It was a long I still see that it was a long aisle I had to walk down to that led out the door. And I walked out of the store with nothing in my hands, feeling, well, there's the only bar that I could tolerate. And, and I was eating healthy. And so I wasn't eating candy bars or anything like that. And then two weeks later, a the girlfriend of one of my employees whom I had introduced him to, she sent me this little gift of bars that she had made in a little tray. It was like 10 by 10 mm -hmm. and it was peanut butter, honey, rice krispies. It was protein powder and, uh, and she mixed it all together and I ate it and I thought this is pretty good. And then I asked her for the recipe because I didn't want to have to make a second one. She said, sure. So she sent it to me. And after I ate the second one, I was like, I can't eat any more of these. And I was sick of them. That's when I was standing in my kitchen 
I will never forget that day. I was in this condo and in this little tiny kitchen. And I had this, like this nano moment, like a lightning bolt while I was looking at a box of macaroni and cheese with three numbers on it, one, two, three. And I was feeling anxiety. That might sound strange to you, but what I haven't told you was that I have dyslexia and an ADD, which is not a good combination. And so I'm here looking at this box of macaroni and cheese feeling enormous anxiety. And I got this thought that I'm supposed to create a bar on my own. And I remember thinking that is like hallucinogenic. This is so absurd. I mean, you're struggling to just read the directions on a mac and cheese box, let alone build out a new bar. I was experiencing so much fear in that moment that I didn't know if I was hearing the Holy Spirit or not, but I felt the voice say to me, don't write the directions down, don't write the recipe down, and don't look on the back of a bar for, for any ideas. And I thought, this is so asinine, I can't tell anybody. <laughs> so for four, almost four years, I didn't tell anyone that I was working on this recipe, seriously working on a recipe. And it was about a year into the process where I had one of those nano thoughts moments, like the lightning bolt, and felt like one day that this bar was going to go around the world, which I can tell you, it, it was laughable. There's nothing in the natural that was pointing to that. Yeah, you're into the first four years, and you yes. get this next thought that it's going to go around the world. By the way... I'm sorry for interrupting because I just heard my wife walk in. Jan, this is Brian Robinson. Hi, Brian. Hey, Jan. We are re- <laughs> we're recording the podcast. Welcome. Her timing was good because we're actually at the point in the story where Jan comes in. Okay. I mean, like, well, this is great. She comes into the story at this point. So, Jan, this is a spur of the moment, but what uh, Dave was just sharing was his nano moment a year into the four year process of creating the ingredients list that he wasn't supposed to write down? He did not have it written down, which did surprise me, but he had explained to me why. Mm-hmm. I think it, I, I personally think it was because sometimes the way the Lord does things, if he gives us instruction not to write something down, it's because we might have a tendency to get stuck on that one way of doing something. For sure. It was a lot of renditions that we went through to get them where they are now. How many years now since you started this process, Dave? I owned the golf company when I first started because, again, it was just kind of a, I call it a, a God hobby. Not a, it was a hobby I felt like the Lord had inspired me to do. Okay. I was going to ask, so how many years now has this been in your mind and heart? It started in 2006, the initial thought, and then and then in 2010 is when I met Jan, and then in 2012 was when we sold the golf company and took the proceeds and and started eBars. So let's talk about eBars here, and I'd love to find out what has God done with eBars? How has he helped so many people? Oh, wow. I told people when they asked me this, if we love doing what we do, and of course we do love it, but I, I do say if we had done this purely for, for for a financial gain, I don't think we would have lasted. 
because it is the hardest thing I've ever done. And truly, since knowing David, I could say the same for him as well. It really is the hardest thing we've ever done. But the people that walk in here, it's like, it's funny because sometimes I'll get phone calls from clients that I've never met who start telling me stories of how much fun they have when they open the box because there's something in there for each one of the family members. Mm-hmm. And and they have so much that just lightens my heart when I hear it. And then I've had people, we've had people call because I do a lot of the customer service. We have um, people that call who are sick or I've even had some that literally just found out they were they had cancer of all various stages and they didn't know who to call and somebody would tell them we had a product and I would have to tell them we don't have a cure but we do have something that I think your body can handle eating because all of a sudden their world is turned upside down and some have never even been taught about food and what's what's healthy and now they're being told they can't eat certain things and they don't know what to do so people know what e-bars is it's what exactly our mission statement is that we harness whole food okay three words we harness whole food in the 1930s, the pharmaceutical term was coined, and that was uh, a term as pharma means drug, and pseudical is Latin for the delivery of a remedy. And then nothing in the pseudical world happened until 1988 when you had the introduction of the nutraceutical. And so that's a nutrient delivering a remedy. The problem with these two pseudicals, though, is that in almost all cases, there are synthetics that are used that come with a lot of side effects. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for a pharmaceutical and not a place for a nutraceutical. But I do believe, as Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. I do believe that that our creator's first choice for us is to let food heal us. Now, having said that, God has also given us various herbs and botanicals, uh, mushrooms and things like this, which are highly efficacious or highly effective. Sure. They're like concentrations of things that when we ingest them and put them in our body, they trigger a, a response from our body in the way of healing or even in the way of performance. It jump starts. Sure. It supercharges people. So what we've done is we feel like the best delivery system for a efficacious ingredient is through whole food. Therefore, we call this category, and this is a phrase that we've coined, and we have a lot of intellectual property here, but we've called this category whole suticles. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole food infused with an efficacious botanical targeting a specific part of the brain or body. And so a lot of people in the medical community have come on board with us. We have a study that's already been approved by the University of Miami School of Medicine. And we've got people that are into this world that are fascinated by this new category of medical grade nutrition. And so that's, that is the road where we see the Lord leading us down. So right now we're building a a pharmaceutical grade facility next door to us. And we're going to be moving in that in about three months. That's huge. It started as a simple bar. It's, and it's just morphed into this class and category. When we met with Whole Foods, they said, we don't even have a category in our store 
to put you in because you're <laughs> says you look like a bar, but you're not really a bar. You're something far more. And I know you had mentioned your experience with us. We had sent you this immune bar. Yeah. You sent me a box of these before we ever c- communicated. And there were about four or five different types of bars in there. There's man, woman, there's immune, etc. And I tried immune and I was shocked at how great I felt for a good 30 to 45 minutes after eating it. I mean, my mental clarity, my energy, it wasn't like caffeine energy at all. It was more of like my body was saying, thank you. I will tell you that bar there is a historical, this is might sound like hyperbole, but it is not if you know what I'm talking about. And that is, this is a historical breakthrough in whole food technology, that bar that you had, because it is the only organic whole food with 19 vitamins and minerals, 15 of which are at the uh, recommended daily intake. It's the only one. You cannot find anything on Amazon mm-hmm. or Google that doesn't have something synthetic in it that reaches these numbers. Sure. The closest thing to it is the Garden of Life, mm-hmm. which has 11 whole foods at the recommended daily intake. But we've got 15 and then another four at high levels. As you've gone through this process, Dave, clearly the Lord has been leading you. What has been one of the most fascinating experiences you've had in this process of creating these bars? I'd love to hear that. We have a lot of intellectual property here, uh, a lot. And almost all of our intellectual property that we own came to us, Brian, at three o'clock in the morning. Tell me about that. So I'm going to let Jan. Oh, my word. He would wake up night after night or sometimes I didn't even go to bed, but I just we would laugh. I mean, so it got to <laughs> where I was like, Lord, could you do it a little bit earlier, a little bit later? Three o'clock in the morning is pretty rough. But he would wake up with another thing and write them down. And I, I will say one of the funniest moments we are, we've had a lot of comical moments in this company and funny things because we had never done this before. If somebody had said we were going to be running a food company at a manufacturing facility, neither one of us had the background in that. So we've had a lot of funny moments here of learning. And But he would get up sometimes and at three o'clock in the morning, but there was one morning where the Lord gave me something. And I remember his reaction was funny because it had to do with golf and it had to do with a certain bar and a certain name. And and it was the the properties for the golf bar. And he was like, why did he give you that one? He goes, I'm the one that was the golfer. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. So, But there was a lot of great moments with the Lord just for dad. And he still does. And and the Lord still downloads a lot. And that's why we know this company is dedicated to the Lord. It's wherever the Lord wants to take it. We're here to be a steward of it and to be a steward of the people that come in here. And I got to tell you too, Brian, the people are shocked when they come to our company because if you look from the outside, there's no signs at all on the outside of our building. And and the Lord spoke to us, says, don't go on stage until I tell you. And part of that's putting a sign on the front of the building. Sure. So we've been operating in stealth for almost 10 years. And I say, what's out in Whole Foods and stuff? That's a small reflection of really where we are and who we are. Mm-hmm. But when people come in, they walk in our front door and they begin to see what everything we've got going on here. They're, they're in shock, absolute shock. 
But that just tells you, sometimes when God gives you an idea, he may not want you to shout it from the housetops. Great point. I just hearken back to your experience, even with Lifeline, when you were walking around the house after they took that deal in-house that you sold, and the Lord said, you need to let it go. And that was all training for this moment where the Lord's telling you to wait, you know, and hearing him and being able to discipline yourself to let go of things and to not push things. And the Lord also said, unless I tell you someone is a competitor, they're not a competitor. Don't view people who are in a similar space to you as a competitor, unless I tell you. And what I have found for the most part is that if I'll just do what the Lord tells me to do, I will stay on the cutting edge. That's good. I will stay right there. I don't need to be feeding off of what other people are doing. Mm. There's no one who understands food technology more than God. Or any technology, right? Yeah, any knowledge. On that point, I think this would be perfect to pivot and ask you, as we finish up here, to pray for our listeners, please. Oh, and before you do, Dave, how do people find out more about you and eBars? Yes, uh, it's eBars.com. Okay. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram. So eBars, E, by the way, stands for Eden. E-Bars, or Back to the Garden, E-B-A-R-S.com. Okay. Thanks for asking. All right, Father, I thank you for all the people who I believe by divine design are coming across this podcast. And and I know for myself, with all the things I've listened to, that I'll hear something that's like a seed, and it'll just like the Lord will say, that's what I wanted you to hear from this person. And I pray that the people who have had that seed planted in their heart, that you would give them the courage to uh, walk forward with that, to press through with resistance. And know that you want to bring every person into their purpose and their destiny. And I thank you for taking things that the world says. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you had accomplished much by the world's standards. But God loves to take the things that the world despises. And Lord, you took me, a person who was who was felt totally shackled by attention deficit disorder and by dyslexia. And I look now at how you turn my life around. And I thank you that you can overcome any handicap that a person might feel they've got in Jesus' name. And Father, I just thank you right now for every person listening. I want to remind everyone that is on here that you are loved and you are not forgotten. You are loved and you are not forgotten. For the one who made you has never stopped thinking of you. So right now, Father, I just pray over each and every person listening, each and every person, whether they're driving in their car, sitting in their home, Lord, that you would literally just pour in to their hearts, to their dreams, to their visions of things they've dreamt about doing their whole life and maybe feel like they haven't gotten to do. I thank you for every individual on here and for every breath they draw. Let it be a breath that's drawn for you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. What a pleasure to have you both on the podcast. Thank you so much. This has been a a gift to us as well. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. 
Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.